This is Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone. Dubai Eye 103.8. Uh, so what is uh, starting up with Virtue Zone? Well, it's exactly that. Uh, have you started up? Are you looking to get started up? Uh, are you one of the many individuals or organisations looking to take advantage of these extraordinary times? Well, we got the team that can help you with us here in studio this morning. Uh, it is starting up with Virtue Zone. Myself and Neil Petch will be uh, walking you through some of the hurdles that you need to face. But obviously... We also like to put, uh, give it a name, give it a name, give it a topic. And today it's all about rebranding. Can it help your business or do you think uh, you might risk losing customers? Uh, Today we're focusing on companies who have either rebranded their products or their services or are looking to change things up a little. Can you maintain customer loyalty after a rebrand and how will customers respond to that change. According to recent reports, there are many pros to rebranding, which include attracting new customers, achieving new goals, increasing engagement and streamlining messaging. There are also some disadvantages to rebranding if it ain't done properly. It could be a costly process and it could confuse existing customers. And this could lead to losing loyalty and trust. Uh, We have got a poll on social media. I'm going to tell you more about that one in just a while. We're going to be talking to John Watkinson, who's the CEO of Joy Brands. Uh, We'll also be talking to Ian Ohan of Crush Foods, the founder, about their rebranding journey. Plus, don't forget uh, your questions answered in Company Clinic with Virtue Zone very shortly. Keep your thoughts coming in. You can text us now on 4001. This is Starting Up with Virtue Zone live on Dubai I 103.8. You're listening to Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone on Dubai I 103.8. Yeah, so just to tell you a little bit about that um, uh, poll that we've got running out there at the moment, we've posted a poll on social media. Head to the Dubai Eye Instagram page at Dubai Eye 1038FM or hashtag Dubai Eye 1038. Question we're asking today Would you stay loyal to a product or service even if they rebranded? Would you stay loyal to a product or a service even if they rebranded? Keep you posted on the uh, votes as they're coming in there in the poll throughout, uh, but please do get involved. Involved. Two special guests to look forward to, John Watkinson and Ian Ohan, both talking about their journeys and giving you good advice. Uh, but as always, if you want advice, don't go, need to go much further than Virtue Zone. Uh, how do you get in touch with them and us? Well, it's at Dubai I, one of three eight FM to get in touch with the show or text us on 4001 at Virtue Zone on Facebook and Instagram or at Virtue Zone underscore UAE on Twitter. Use the hashtags always, hashtag starting up with Virtue Zone. Hashtag be your own boss. And talking of bosses, we've got the real boss in the studio with us today, uh, the co founder and the chairman of Virtue Zone, the man with the plan, Mr. Neil Petch. Good to see you, Mr. Pete. Good morning, Tom. And I've got to say, I'm delighted there's no traffic. You sound almost disappointed. <laughs> I just, I just, when, you, when you're charged with doing a traffic report without traffic, it's sort of been, it's like your legs are being cut away from under you. You can imagine the career move. We want you to handle traffic and weather. It has been quiet, hasn't it? In Dubai. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's not a great move. I'll take that every morning. (laughs) It's been quiet, though, hasn't it? It has, which is absolutely magnificent. I'm glad you said that, because there are those out there going, oh, just not used to it, and it's a little bit strange. But we sort of, you sort of need it just for a, just to, to, to take stock, I suppose, of just how busy 
things have been. Listen, we're talking about disruption, and and one of the ways that one can disrupt is just work differently at different times during the year. So I've loved the last couple of weeks because I've been in the office holding the fort, whilst George has been swanning around the south of France looking for no doubt creative company formation ideas. <laughs> and you know what? You get a bit of silence in your office. The door's not knocked on every three seconds, so you get to be strategic. Yeah, and I know one of your things, Neil, is that you don't like going to bed unless you've answered all your emails throughout the day as well. So it's a perfect time for that. Yeah, must have them all answered by about 11 o'clock in the morning, surely. (laughs) Absolutely. What to do after that? (laughs) Great to have you with us here. Lovely to know that you are in town at the moment. Listen, uh, Neil and I always like to kick things off with a little bit of this. Well Briefed, the business stories you need to know this week. Okay, let's look at some of the big news stories. And we've covered a number of them on the business breakfast throughout the course of the last seven days or so. But good to go over some of the big stories. And they keep coming at the moment in the realms of startups, SMEs and more. Instacart Inc. is teaming up with e-commerce technology startup Fabric to equip equip fulfillment centres with robots in an effort to speed up delivery and cut costs as it prepares for an initial public offering. So Instacart inking its deal with the startup to use robots in their warehouses at the moment. Companies plan to build a new standalone warehouses as well as fulfillment centres for supermarket partners. Instacart said in a statement uh, uh, on Thursday of last week, multi-year deal is the first step in what the grocery delivery service calls a next-gen fulfillment program process that will use Fabric's robotic technology to pick items while gig workers deliver food to customers' doorsteps. The company didn't disclose financial terms of the partnership. Look, um, you don't need me to tell you. you just go into your favourite supermarket, wherever that may be at the moment, and you will find Instacart boys uh, ready and available for you. There are many uh, others uh, that offer f- very similar services. And again, it's this... It sort of feeds or, or, or talks of that those basic needs like grocery shopping, like needing something delivered, and the use of technology. We know that Deliveroo and, and the speed they get stuff to you now. I I ordered uh, a Kindle and it arrived the next day. It's extraordinary. And isn't if it? it takes three days, now you're upset. And then there's the decision as a business owner. So I know we've got Ian on uh, later, and I think he has a team of his own drivers. Mm. So you have control over the whole process. But the challenge with that is actually you've got to buy 20 motorbikes. You've got to da 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 How do you do it? Which business decisions do you make? And one of the things I would advise business owners out there, I was watching this uh, TV thing on, it's like three football fields and about a thousand robots, and, and they're loading the carts to send to people. That technology is coming here. Now, the advantage UAE has, it has loads of space. So these are the sort of things that you can build quickly and easily. So I think it's coming our way. Yeah, indeed. Technology yet again to the fore. Um, uh, warehouses. And we, talk, we talked about it, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago with the uh, the Katopi um, uh, story that came out and the fact that the investment we're seeing in dark kitchens, the investment we're seeing in – and, uh, you know, it's a phrase that I don't like using much, dark kitchens. I was talking to a few guys about it, Naim Madad, uh, Gates, um, and Dave Singleton from uh, uh, j- just recently – and it's more – it's technology-driven delivery. It's te- technology delivery and food deliveries, uh, which, is, which is the key here. It, the, the whole idea of a chef, 
you know, getting an order through and, get, you know, preparing that order. OK, away on that one. That's ready to go. It's gone now. It's all about the sort of back of house. And you're so right, because in order to achieve that, you need space. And we've got it here in abundance. Absolutely. And, and you, you gave me a nice seg there, because dark kitchen. Perhaps we need to rebrand that, Tom, so people understand what it's talking about. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting one, that one. Uh, what else have we got for you? Obviously, a load of stories um, regionally, a load of stories globally as well. Facebook uh, will invest over $1 billion to support content creators through the end of 2022. That's according to the social media giant. Uh, the company aiming to compete with platforms like TikTok and YouTube for the attention of top social media personalities. Investments that are going to include bonus programs to pay creators who hit certain milestones on its apps, including photo sharing, network, Instagram, and the fund users to produce content, Facebook, um, according to Facebook. Okay, question to you, Mr. P, is uh, with the success of SMEs, with the success of startups here in the region, but also uh, globally as well, this ongoing trend of the big guns, your Amazons, your Facebooks, your Microsofts, wanting more pieces of the pie as well, uh, is that risk or reward? Is there a risk therein that they could sort of take people out of the equation? Well, I think, you know, you see so many startups actually creating their business plan with the intention of selling to Facebook yeah. or selling, you know, to, to whoever. I think that's quite a, da- a dangerous path to go on. If you get the timing right, absolutely perfect. You've got to look back only a short while to Kareem and they obviously had a plan and and they they delivered in an incredible uh, uh, manner on that but you know it's 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 the same as I heard you talking about crypto earlier mm. it's that sort of risk reward greed factor you want to be buying in at the right point on on the curve so you know i think in the us you're going to see the government increasingly trying to stop these monopolies there are opportunities uh, uh, here certainly to take advantage of that and what is absolutely central to all of this is data 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 and and so the one thing I would encourage all business owners is have a very firm control of that. If your salespeople are out in the corridor making a call from their mobile because the noise is too heavy in, in the office, is that data being stored? Is that knowledge being passed on to the rest of the team? The answer is probably no. So it's that balance between giving people flexibility and making sure that you've got as much data as possible. Uh, we've got one more for you on your well-briefed section today. Uh, Dubai has started imposing fines on companies that have not registered the beneficial owner data with uh, authorities. Uh, the Commercial Compliance and Consumer Protection, or CCCP, sector in Dubai economy has started imposing fines on companies that did not register the beneficial owner data by the 30th of June 2021 as required by law. Oh, it's one of these pieces, isn't it? It, that they just start throwing laws at me and numbers of yeah, laws. Yeah, but let me pick things. up on this because this is something that we do need some some clarity on. And and you know, gosh, I, I'm I'm old enough to remember the Millennium Bug, and and we all thought oh, yeah. that everything was going to turn off uh, uh, when it struck midnight and became the year 2000. Um, look, there are already uh, specific business activities. People are being asked to fill out AML, anti-money laundering 
paperwork and have been fined right across the UAE should they not do that. That's for specific uh, uh, businesses. In terms of establishing who the uh, ultimate beneficial owners are and so on, there have been quite a few warnings. We haven't experienced any fines yet. We have actually been working on behalf of some of our customers to help them contest. Uh, so I guess that you know the, the, the message is prepare yourself for this. Have your data. It's stuff that you've got or, already. Mm. It's just a bit of a pain to, to if, if you haven't filed it and don't know how to file it. Think back two years ago to when VAT came in. Same uh, situation. So be prepared for it because what you don't want to do is come October and it's the peak of your year and you're trying to charge ahead and you're dealing with a whole load of red tape. You don't want that. So if you need help, guess where to come, Tom? Virtuzan. Come on down to VZ and they will sort you out. That's for sure. Listen, uh, I hope you're well briefed after that one because uh, next up, Neil and I turn our attention to our first guest uh, of the morning. Uh, we're going to be talking to Ian in just a few moments. Time in and ahead. The founder and the CEO of Crush Brands. It's all about all things, well, uh, branding and rebranding. So we talk to Crush next. You're back with Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtuzone. Only on Dubai R. I 103.8. Come on then, get in touch with the show. Myself and Neil Petch with you through until 11 o'clock each and every Tuesday morning between 10 and 11. Rebranding. Can it help your business or do you risk losing customers? That's the question that we are asking today. Now, according to reports, benefits uh, benefit to rebranding is that you can significantly shift the focus of your efforts, allowing you to achieve new goals. Some of your new goals may be to develop new products or to improve existing ones. Um, what about increasing your engagement, though? Whenever you add something new and exciting to your product line or make a change to your brand, you have the opportunity to make a splash. You can use a rebrand as a chance to get people talking about your company on social media instead of fearing the change. You can show existing and potential customers what is great about the changes that you're making and why you are making them. Uh, Christian, do you agree with that sentiment? Head to Dubai Eyes uh, Instagram Stories page now to take your part in our poll. Would you stay loyal to a product or a service even if they've rebranded. Next guest company has actually been through a rebrand himself. Here's Maria Botras with the background. Crush Brands owns and operates Freedom Pizza, Wildflower Pokey and More, Coco Yogo Vegan Kitchen, and The Salad Jar. They will also be launching more brands in the pipeline. However, some of the company's brands did not have the same name or identity that they do today. Here's Ian Ohan, the founder and CEO of Crush Brands. Crush Brands is unique in that it owns its entire value chain from food technology to brands and proprietary and professional delivery. We are a proud UA company and very soon we'll be launching our new platform called Locale, which will be home to a highly curated group of loved local brands all in one place. Uh, he is a pioneer, a leader uh, in the industry uh, here, uh, and he's a great friend of the show as well. Always great with his time. He's the founder and the CEO of Crush Brands. He is Mr. Ian Ohan, who joins us live on the line and live via Microsoft Teams this morning. Good morning to you, Ian. Hi, good morning, Tom. How are you? Really well, my friend. Okay, just for the benefits of our listeners here on the show, tell us a little bit about the original brand uh, and what you had in what you had to do in order to change to Crush. 
Yeah, well, so I think there's a couple of things that we could talk about here. Probably the most relevant is the rebranding of Freedom Pizza, which took place in 2015. And um, we uh, we had a previous franchise uh, set up prior to that. We were very successful. We built a new br uh, a franchise brand in the region here. And um, due to uh, business reasons, we had to uh, terminate that relationship. And the, the next thing that came to be was, well, how do we take this success and ensure that um, uh, you know, we can persist with under our, our own new brand, which was Freedom Pizza? And I think what was very interesting and um, uh, a bit scary, because we had a very strong following on the previous brand, which we had built up, but I think what was really important was that uh, we were the same people. We were the same company. Um, you know, you have to look at what is a brand actually, and, and a brand is much more than colors and icons and things like that. The brand is really a result of what you do every day. And if you're the same people doing the same thing, um, I think, uh, you know, it's very important that um, that communication goes through to the customers so that they, they know that, the, that there's a continuity between what was there before and after. And in, in some ways, the brand or the icon is really just what people attach their emotion to. So, you know, my idea when we switch to Freedom Pizza is that the brand, we just have to get them to understand that we're the same people. Um, we're going to operate the same way we've been operating, but we wanted them to reattach themselves to the new brand. So the, the, the brand or the new iconography, but the, the brand isn't that iconography in my view. What was your when you when you look back on that on that sort of change and that shift over from the original to to Freedom, what was your biggest concern the biggest challenge that you think you faced well i think what, what we built up such a strong uh, connection with our customers and so my biggest concern was that they they were going to be disappointed you know and you know once you've you know uh, found sort of a, an emotional attachment to a, a brand or a company then you know that, that's very difficult um you know they could feel betrayed they could feel you know that there's something that's happened to them that's affected that that love and that relationship and so it, it's very important that it, but the communication we used helped us to ensure to our customers that you know we really were the same people and and we were going to do things not just the same but better Ian, I want to give you a compliment. Uh, I think I, very often people forget that a brand, it's not just about your customers. It's also about your your staff and, and your partners. And I just love the brands that you have. I mean, who wouldn't like Big Dwarf and Crush? That fills you with positivity. When a Virgin employee comes in, you know, they've they're already got their chest pumped up and they feel associated with with a Branson. And I guess this this helps you when you're, when you're looking to acquire additional partners partners and, and, and more brands because they feel part of, of something that is full of energy. Would, would you say that's correct? It's 100% correct. And going forward, our strategy is very much, you know, I, I get asked by, uh, you, know, a lot, you know, VCs and investors and they say things like, um, you know, how long does it take you to make a brand? You know, and they're expecting me to say, you know, a couple of weeks, a month. Um, and, and my answer to them is also very clear. You know, it takes a decade to build a brand. You know, and um, you know, I can spin up a new menu in in, in a matter of days. But the um, the idea of a of a brand this takes decades. And and brands are built by people with singular purpose and vision. And um, and and they're they're not just spun out of you know uh, marketing mastery, if that makes sense. Um, a brand is, is, isn't what you say it is. A brand is what your customers think about you. 
And so, um, so, so that culture that we have and we foster within our own company is very important. The, um, uh, and, and when we talk to new brands and new potential partners to join our, our uh, new platform called Locale, we're very much I mean, probably the most important thing is do they share the same ethos um, that we uh, that we have and, and that, you know, does that fit well within our company? Because if it doesn't, it doesn't matter how good the food is, how good the service is. We're not interested because it'll affect um, the overall culture of our business. And and our culture is reflected in each of the brands. Ian, have you ever throughout your time, because I think uh, a lot of the listeners can take advantage of learning from our mistakes mm. as well as our successes, not a failed business itself, but have you ever had a, a, a brand that you had to change because the brand itself was failing? Um, not because – so, again, it depends what we're talking about by brand – the brand, um, we've. I don't think there's anything wrong with upgrading or evolving brands, if that makes sense. I'm, I'm not sure that we've had a failure as such regarding the brand. We've had one failure in the past that was not related to the brand, but related to the people that we were doing business with, yeah. and that was a culture mismatch. You know, in terms of what how we operate as a business and how they operate as a business, and that was a very important learning uh, for us because. We actually terminated the relationship simply because the culture wasn't right, not because we didn't think. Yeah, the, of course, uh, the culture is part of the brand, isn't it? If you have a, an incredibly modern logo and and so on, and, and then the way that your company does business is is archaic, it doesn't work. It doesn't fit. Correct. Quick question to you, Ian, with regards to our sort of perception of rebranding. Are we? Do you think the sort of common misconception is that people hear the word rebrand and they immediately think negativity, and yet a rebrand could, in fact, be a very positive move? A hundred percent. I mean, the brands evolve. I mean, there's very few brands in the world that haven't evolved. I mean, you know, McDonald's looked different, you know, yeah. 50 years ago than it looks today. And so the evolution of a brand is very important. It has to be, you know, relevant uh, to the times. Um, what I think is important is that the DNA and the, and the core reasons why people like that company or that brand, you know, stay intact and, and the communication around, you know, there has to be a good reason why you're rebranding. You know, what are you moving towards rather than what are you coming from? And there has to be a, a connectivity between the old and the new so that customers can be brought along on the journey. But I think there are opportunities, you know, there's great opportunities to evolve brands and it happens every day. And in terms of that, from what you and your team have learnt uh, through the rebranding process as well, is there, as you sit here now and talk to Neil and I, is there anything that you would have done differently or dare I say it, better um, I don't think so. You know, I, I look back on how we managed that transition, and it was a big transition, yeah. and it was very daunting. But I think we managed it very well. And the, you know, no matter how badly you can, you know, make mistakes on branding, and you know, and that was a very sudden rebrand as well. It wasn't a planned rebrand. So I think the the most important thing that I recall is that direct connectivity with our customers mm. and the and, and total transparency about why we did it and what we were doing it and giving them the chance to get angry if they wanted to get angry to uh, you know be supportive if they wanted to be supportive or just talk or ask questions that communication was the absolute key to uh, the successful rebrand. I like that. I like the transparency. Listen, it's always good to catch up with you, uh, Ian. Uh, tell us, uh, how's the summer been and what does the, the rest, the remainder of 2021 look like for Crush Brands? 
Well, we're super excited uh, for the future. We're excited to hopefully have a lot of the pandemic issues behind us uh, or uh, in the next quarter or so. Uh, but we're, we're about to launch our new platform called Locale, which is our own aggregated platform that includes our brands, the new brand partners that we're bringing on board. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we're very excited to bring that to our customers. It lets them order from all of our, our brands in one place. Um, and we're going to bring on some really cool uh, uh, new brands that we've been speaking to and, and working with um, that we, uh, we're very excited about bringing to our customers here in the UAE. Last one from me, and a little bit off-piece, uh, I appreciate, but um, I, I know that you've been a great advocate for better safety uh, and well-being for delivery drivers. You, there are very few people in the industry that do more uh, for their drivers and their delivery team than you yourself. We've seen some huge initiatives uh, from government and other authorities in recent times as well to that end. Is the word getting through? Uh, I'm not sure that it is because I think, you know, if you look at the structure of the way the the third-party delivery is set up here, their drivers actually aren't their employers, aren't their employees. They they work through a a contracting company. So so that contracting company really has no incentive unless they're told to, to provide safer working conditions for their drivers. And the problem is that each of those deliveries and those delivery drivers are incentivized by the number and the speed of delivery that they do. By all accounts, uh, we've had 16 driver deaths in the country, um, you know, that we know of in the last uh, 12 months, which is completely and utterly unacceptable. Um, we as a company uh, haven't had an accident <laughs> or a, a meaningful accident in, in years. And we've also had, uh, you know, all of our drivers are properly fitted out with uh, safety gear. They, you know, they don't sit around in 50 degree weather without shelter or water or, you know, and things like that. I don't see it coming getting through, and I, you know, I think the initiatives of the government are amazing. But I think there's a, you know, the the, the third party delivery companies have a lot to answer for in terms of their own driver safety. Good on you, Ian. Keep fighting the good fight, my friend. Uh, always good to catch up with you, uh, Ian. All the best. Thanks so much indeed for your time this morning. Thank you for having me. Ian Ohan is the founder and the CEO of Crush Brands, uh, which of course oversees Freedom uh, Pizza, amongst many others as well. You're listening to Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone on Dubai Eye 103.8. You are listening to Starting Up with Virtue Zone, myself, uh, Tom Urquhart, uh, along with Neil Petch here in studio. Um, we're talking rebranding today. Keep your thoughts coming into us. A number of ways you can do that. Text them to us on 4001. We'll have your say online at Dubai I 1038 FM. Hashtag Dubai I1038. Or equally, you can get in touch with the team at Virtue Zone. And listen, if you can't get an answer from us on Virtue Zone, at, uh, uh, well, we can't answer your question between now and 11. Worry not, because the team at Virtue Zone will be live online straight after the show. So at Virtue Zone on Facebook and Instagram, at Virtue Zone underscore UAE on Twitter. And do use the hashtag, uh, hashtag starting up with Virtue Zone, hashtag be your own boss rebranding can it help your business or do you risk losing customers that's the question that we are putting to you today Uh, make sure that you get involved in the conversation as we turn our attention now to uh brands a boutique creative agency born in dubai early in 2008 they specialized in brand development and increasing profits for clients they help your brand by developing visual and also verbal communications according to a psychological message or a big idea that you want your clients to perceive with some background here is our producer maria botros
Joa Brands, a boutique creative agency born in Dubai early in 2008, believes that a strong brand should have a direct impact on how well a business does. John Watkinson, the CEO and founder of Joa Brands, tells us how they humanize brands in order to make them succeed. I felt the call to be an entrepreneur and started a branding agency called Joa Brands in February of 2008. Over the years, I honed my own skills within the world of branding. We specialize in brand development, and by creating strong brands for our clients, we also help them to increase their profits. So, how do we do this? Really, it's by developing visual and verbal communications according to a psychological message that speaks with clarity to those that our client needs to speak to.、Um, and part, and we have humanized close to 150 brands since we started. Some of these brands include some large names. We work with Imar. We work with Miras. Um, Rove Hotels, in particular, Dubai Opera, Vida, North Island,、uh, Marriott Group,、um, W Residences,、uh, Camel Soap Factory, and many, many more. Happy to say that、uh, John's able to join myself and Neil now live on the line, but also live via Microsoft Teams all the way from sunny California. Well, I assume it's sunny California、uh, at the moment.、Uh, I'm going to say good morning, John. I can't work out what time of the day it is with you over there. Hi Tom. Yes, it's actually、um, sunny Silverstone, England,、um, <laughs> and it is seven a.m. Silverstone, California, sun shining on all corners of the globe. Great to have you on board. Thanks so much indeed for for joining us. Listen, we've just been talking to Ian Ohan from Crush Brands. Then he was talking about the evolution of brands for companies, the building of a brand. Given that here on the show we like to focus. On startups and how you get your business started—is it one of those elements that entrepreneurs, founders, CEOs of startups maybe don't fully appreciate the importance of a brand from the off? I would say that's one of the most common challenges we face with entrepreneurs who are starting a new business. They've, they're so excited about what they're about to do that the brand kind of takes.、Um, Backseat so often, and unfortunately, that for for most businesses and well, all businesses, the brand is such an important element. It's it's one of those things that you you, you just simply can't、um, leave. Now, some people do fluke it、um, and do are able to get you know and do quite well without a strong brand. But we see it time and time again. It's so much easier when you've got the brand strong from day dot. You. We see our clients just, you know, flourish and do really well. And it's it's not only our clients. I think anyone who's get a strong got a strong brand from the beginning does well from it. What I find interesting as well, John, is that we talk about the sort of the, the, the evolution, the all the, the the evolving of a brand, the building of a brand. But it, can the <clears> same be said about? Our understanding of a brand. I say that because you know I'm fascinated by your approach to brand building, be it the psychology, be it the academia behind、mm-hmm. as well, the ideas. Has that changed fundamentally in recent times? So, I, I suppose there's two points to your question. One is has has the approach changed in terms of、um, how brands communicate? I would say the approach stays ve- fairly similar. What has changed, though, is how we go about it and people's perception of brands、um, and pe- and the way people want to interact with brands. And so, if a brand's in the market and it's been in the market, you know, post the the, the season we've had,、um, 
I would be recommending people are looking at how we were communicating to our clients and, and is that still the right way to communicate to our clients? Um, because so many businesses have had to evolve um, over the last year. And so if they've evolved, does the brand also need to evolve? Um, and that would be a question, a very valid question that needs to be asked. John, something that interests me, a lot of a lot of people listening to this show, of course, are thinking to start up. And in some ways, when you start up, you've got a, a clean sheet of paper. Um, and yes. that's almost easier than rebranding. Something that interested me in your opening piece is you mentioned, given that you are, you know, you, you do focus on, on branding, you mentioned profit. And a lot of... St- startups that are seeking to rebrand of course there's going to be commercial aspects behind that changing the website and and so on and so on so can you just explain to to our our listeners how what you do can affect profit and how they can get to that point as efficiently and smoothly and quickly as possible certainly um so so many uh, analogies pop to mind right now so i suppose the one thing is what what we're trying to do as businesses is communicate to the people who are going to buy our product or buy our services. Um, now, we have multiple opportunities to communicate with those people. The challenge is we don't adequately communicate why we're so good at what we do. And what we find often happens with a startup is the CEO or the, the founder becomes sort of the key person and um, they're able to, to sort of their own personality traits sort of schmooze their potential customers and clients. And often people will do business with a company because of the CEO or a, a great sales team. Um, and what we try to do is take it away from a person and make it about the company. You know, we do business or we buy Apple products, for example, because we like Apple as a brand. Um, Steve Jobs was a personality, but now it's really it's because of Apple as a brand. And so whatever the brand is, we do business because of what we understand. And so understanding why people want to do the business they want to do, the psychological aspect, is so important because then you say, well, we don't need to be focusing on old age pensioners, for example, because our business is about, I don't know, whatever it might be. Or we don't need to be focusing on whatever group here, you know, because once we understand who we're targeting, why we're targeting them, what they want to see, we can give up a brand to speak to them they want to. And then once we're speaking to the right people, they they, they spend money with the, the, the respective clients because or the respective businesses because um, that's just how it works. You know, they say, oh, I, that's what I want, so I'm going to buy it. <laughs> John, speaking of targeting customers, um, I'm sure there's yeah. a stat out that the, the typical customer of a huge company in five years' time, it's going to be 90% uh, uh, different. My daughter, Kira, five years old, she's a potential customer of a Tissolette in a few years. I was just looking at the Gulf business, uh, the top 10 brands in the UAE, despite the Tissolette's amazing market dominance in some areas it's not in that top 10 brands so a little challenge for you so we can all learn from you what what would you do about that if you were representing them <laughs> ah good question um so the approach we would typically take is we we try to understand what they've done well historically you know uh, obviously with a brand like a you've had many years worth of 
wins. And so what were the things that worked well and what were the things for the next generation, like your daughter in 10 years time, that might start to work well? And so what, where should we be going? What are, the, what are the sort of the annoying factors? What are the things that make people think, mm, I don't believe that? Or what are the things that say, you know what, Etisalat was brilliant at this and I want to keep doing that. And that can be anything from um, just how we feel about a brand when you, when you, you, know, you look at your phone. And so what we would want to do is understand why Etisalat um, did so well and then how we can continue those sort of wins into the future, into 10 years time and what makes you, 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 you good then and what makes you win then. Um, does that make sense? It does. I'm sold on it. Yeah, yep, yep. Yep. we're with you. <laughs> and it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because a Tissolat, the way we use telecom companies is so different yeah. now. You know, Kira types. I think you can tell someone's age by how, how they type on the phone. Apparently, <laughs> so Kira does it a completely different way to me. Uses data rather than voice, and, and so on and so on. So that's you know looking at how your company is evolving and, mm. and how you, how you can best fit it. Last one from me to you, John, um, uh, uh, because I appreciate you got up nice and early for us this morning. But I just want to ask you about about the sort of the pitfalls or the potential pitfalls of a rebrand. Um, are some companies or can companies, especially startups, be too quick to see, I don't know what, a dip in sales or something and immediately come running to you, John, and the rest of your team and say, we need to rebrand, we need to rebrand to save ourselves at the moment. Um, can it be a bit of a knee-jerk reaction? And to that end, do you sort of educate people in that line? So because, because of the psychological requirements um, that we would go through as an agency, rebranding isn't fast necessary it's not you know we'll rebrand you in a day um but we typically take about you know five weeks just to develop the concept side of thing and then once concepts are approved then the rollout side can take a while so immediately that sort of knee-jerk reaction is kind of quelled a little bit um purely because of the time taken mm. however um Sometimes the, the requirement to rebrand can be a knee-jerk reaction, but that's not always a bad thing because what we think is you, you're, you're getting instinctive um, sort of comments from the market or responses from the market and, and you think, well, they don't understand me, I need to rebrand. And so part of it is maybe, yes, we should not um, ignore those signals that we're getting, but actually, you know, maybe there is a reason to it. Don't knee-jerk, don't just go for, you know, just quickly just change yeah. a logo or something, which is, you know, not the brand. And we see that so often. But, you know, let's think it through, get the psychological, psychological aspects right, get the personality traits right. How do we humanize this brand? And then we move into the next step. So it would then be to say, well, OK, this is what we've learned. This is what we've done. And this is how we're going to see a, a win into the future. So why don't we position ourselves here, place ourselves here and enjoy more clients john you're a legend bless you thanks so much indeed for your time really appreciate it i'll let you get back Pleasure. to sunny silverson thanks so much indeed for your time this morning that's john watkinson the ceo of Jobat brands the who's joining us live on the line uh, from silverstone over in the uk a uh, big thanks to john and his team company clinic 
Uh, Neil Betch is uh, the founder of uh, Virtue Zone. He's here with us in studio. Um, questions coming through. Here's one for you, Neil, from Layla uh, out there this morning. Morning, Layla, saying, you guys have spoken about rebranding this morning, and I've been considering it for quite some time because I launched my business fresh out of college. I was young, and my vision has changed over the years. Do I have to pay big bucks to rebrand at the moment? I don't mind investing in my business, but I don't want to spend a fortune either. Layla, I'm really glad that you're thinking about that. And the first thing I'd say is the very fact that you're thinking about it telegraphs to me that you're not quite 100% confident with the existing setup you've got. So, yes, now is the right time to think about it. And, in fact, the summer is the perfect time. Second part of your question, does it need to cost a lot? No, it doesn't. And the reason it doesn't is the first thing that you need to do is look at your own identity, look at your internal team, poll your internal team. Actually, you can very easily send out surveys to your customer database to see what they like and what frustrates them because that's showing that you are listening and you're going to pick up some stuff for absolutely no money at all. And part of rebranding actually is looking at yourself internally and it's forcing you to do something strategic rather than proactive. So it's a really, really good move. Of course, I'm also going to tell you, pop into VirtuZone because we have a department that actually handles this and handles it for startups. So yes, you know, the Atisalats and Shells and ICIs of this world, I'm sure when they change a logo, they spend gazillions on it. But startups, you can't afford to do that. And as we were mentioning with John earlier, you need to think about things about how your website changes and so on and so on and so on. So, you know, there's, there's a way to where you can get huge value from doing this. And, you know, I know we've been working on new projects where we haven't decided on a project idea. And there's six of us in a room and we're stumbling over pushing it across the line simply because we're all calling it different names. Mm. So, you know, there, there really is something powerful. So go and do it, Layla. Uh, Matt's been in touch as well um, uh, online. An interesting one. goes back to sort of legalities as well. We touched on them a little bit earlier on. But Matt says this. Look, if I was to set up a business which is predominantly carried out online, uh, providing my products on Instagram and digitally, how do I, as a company, therefore pay VAT or any other taxes I'm meant to? If most of my transactions are being done online, say through Zabuni, for instance, or otherwise, am I still supposed to pay it as I go or do I put aside the VAT payment from every purchase or payment by customers and pay it off at the end of the month? Uh, I know it might not be your area of expertise, guys, but I just don't want to break any laws as a result of my ignorance on this matter. Okay, uh, so that's a great question, actually, and it, and it shows a typical challenge that a startup faces. So you mentioned uh, uh, Zabuni. That's an example of a company that, of course, has done this for thousands of merchants such as yourself, and they have a department that can help with that. Same thing, the same, the same with us. You know, two years ago, we had tens of thousands of customers who suddenly VAT was a new yeah. thing, and probably they didn't have an accountant, and, you know, they were a three three-man operation. They didn't have an accountant. The UAE, you know, it's the same thing. It's the old thing uh, 30 years ago. Talk to your bank manager. If you've got a problem, let him, let him know. That's what our dad always used to say to us. Same thing with the authorities now. Keep your records. If you're unable to file it in exactly the right way, providing you're showing that you're moving towards that, um, they're going to be very, very understanding. 
And who do you communicate uh, that to? Because sometimes that isn't immediately accessible. Again, that's the sort of thing that a Zabuni or a Virtue Zone or perhaps your relationship manager at the bank is able to push you in that direction. It's a lot simpler than you, you think it is. And what I would absolutely caution you is the sooner that you can have that, both from a tech point of view, from having it all filter through nice and easily, and from simply a cash flow perspective. You know, if you, I I know that in the UK, private business owners come the end of the year, they're all pulling their hair out frantically. So don't get yourself in that position. Last one from us. Uh, Khaled sent a question in a little bit earlier on about uh, profits and how to fix profits, etc. Um, um, just reading into that, though, at the, the moment, he's saying, look, he's looking at a little bit of a downtime at the moment. And mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say we started the show talking about the fact that, look, the city's a little bit quieter. A yeah. lot of people went away for a long eat. A lot of people uh, have had to extend holidays just because the logistics are getting to A and B, etc., should we be, and you to, spoke a little earlier on to Ian about, you know, learning from failures as well. Should we be a, afraid of a little bit of a quiet levelling off period? No, or it, it's actually, Tom, it's an opportunity. Now, it's easy for me to say this, and this is why cash flow management is so important. There are times in every industry when there's a price war. Mm. There's times in every country when, you're, you know, it's particularly slow. The UAE, probably the summer is, 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 is one of those, Christmas and, and so on and so on, depending on which industry you're in. So what you need to do is be agile. So during those periods, perhaps you're choosing to not make any money on your new business at all, but bring that new business in and serve them additional services. And, you know, for example, in in our case, if we do a good job, we know our customers are renewing in a year's time. So, you know, there are are certain times, and and Tom, there's been a lot of news recently about free zones offering this price and and, and that price. So you're, you're seeing it. It's, you know, it is a trade license, is a commodity, and it's a great thing for the consumer. You can, you know, do your research, find out what's available. Of course, much more important, find the license and the activity that suits you because choosing the wrong one simply based on price is, is, is not the right thing. But, you know, it, it is important as a, as a business owner to sometimes be going for market share rather than be going for margin. Now, if your cash doesn't allow you to do that, perhaps you spent too much money on laptops and company cars and, and so on. So, you know, it is about prioritising. Uh, Mr. Pete, always good to catch up with you. Thank you so much indeed for your time this morning. Listen, if we haven't addressed your questions, then there will be the opportunity for you to discuss them with uh, the team at Virtue Zone live straight after the show. They're on social at Virtue Zone. Uh, just find them Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. Uh, Neil, thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Tom. Won't see you next week, but have a good one. No, we'll miss you next week, but um, we'll see you again very, very soon. Enjoy uh, your break. Uh, we'll have uh, another name from uh, Virtue Zone join us next uh, week. In fact, we've got Virtue Zone with us every Tuesday between 10 and 12, so make sure uh, that you stay tuned for more.